1: Hello and welcome to episode 15 of the Broadcast Church Planting podcast. Today we're going back to 2014 and we're bringing you one of our theology training hangouts. We were joined by David Devonish who heads up the Catalyst Network of Churches and in this hangout David will be talking about how we can enjoy God's presence. And in particular, he'll be taking us through from Genesis to Revelation, how we see the presence of God on the earth. Now, after this hangout, we had a Q&A with David. You can find this Q&A and all the notes on everything that he said at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode 15. So here's David Devonish talking about the presence of God.
0: Okay what I want to do in this session actually um, is give an overview of God's presence throughout scripture. Um, When I teach nowadays I work to the basic framework of scripture that all sorts of things are promised in the Old Testament, they're fulfilled in Christ and now they're worked out by those of us who belong to Christ. And so I'm not in this session talking primarily about our personal enjoyment of the presence of God. Rather, I'm talking about uh, how it all fits together biblically, because obviously that's what our uh, in personal enjoyment of the presence of God has to spring from. So I'm going to do a biblical overview of what I call a study in the temple all the way through Scripture and then demonstrate how important that is for us today. So if you like, this is a biblical and theological background to the, um, the subject rather than a, uh, how we individually enjoy the presence of God. So I'm going to start from the. Uh... Sorry, I'm... are you there still, Tom?
1: Yes, yes, I'm here. I can hear you, David.
0: Okay, okay, sorry, the screen went strange. Okay, I've got a, I've got a very clear view of Tim Heath, but I. Uh... Okay, I'll just, I'll just carry on. So. I'm going to start with the book of Genesis because the book of Genesis is a series of worldview stories. Moses needed to help the people that he was leading out of Egypt to have a true godly worldview rather than a Egyptian worldview. We know that the people had an Egyptian worldview because... uh, When they came out of Egypt, as soon as Moses disappeared and was in the presence of God and they didn't know where he'd gone, they immediately started making gods looking like animals, which, of course, is what Egyptians did. And so they were working from an Egyptian worldview. Moses wrote the book of Genesis to show how everything started and and to uh, demonstrate in terms of the temple what it was for God's presence to be known. So I'm going to go right from Genesis to Revelation on the theme of the temple, which is actually the theme of the presence of God. So, so that we're going to tell the whole story. You see, there's a desire for the presence of God in all people. In fact, all religions have their temples. You, you know, often go around and see ruins of, of old temples. Everyone is seeking the presence of God. But what is the biblical worldview? Well, the biblical worldview was this, that when God uh, created man and woman, he placed them in a garden, and that garden was the temple. It was a place, a a temple has got nothing to do with um, buildings and so on per se, a temple is where God meets with man. And God met with men man and woman, in the, in, the, in the Garden of Eden. It was a beautiful garden. It had trees, flowers, animals, everything else. But God walked there in the cool of the day, and that was the place where they enjoyed the presence of God. And so, uh, and then it was God's desire that Eden, where he put them, would be spread over the whole earth. And it's a frequent promise in the Old Testament that the glory of God or the presence of God will fill the earth as the waters cover the sea. And so uh, the. When so man and woman were put in the garden, they said, enjoy God's presence. But that was to have an evangelistic impact. We know that because. Uh, it says there were rivers going, and this is a theme that comes throughout Scripture, there were rivers going out of the garden to water other places. And that was symbolic of the command that God had given Adam and Eve to say, come on, you've got to fill the earth, fill the earth so that my presence is everywhere. And so that first experience of the presence of God was beauty, refreshing, refreshing, and blessing the rest of the world. That was the intention. The presence of God was to be enjoyed, but the presence of God was to be taken to others. Tragically, as we know, the temple got spoiled. Adam and Eve got put out of the garden, and a fiery angel was sent to guard the way to the tree of life. And so, uh, again, that's very important symbolically. After that, they had to enter God's presence through sacrifices but there was, still, uh, uh, there was still sort of prophetic anticipations of the presence of God. So it says Enoch walked with God. Jacob had a ladder that reached up to heaven and saw the angels descending on it, and so on. So the book of Genesis gives that picture at the beginning of the presence of God and the presence of God uh, being missional as well as enjoyed. Okay, so... We then come to the story of Moses. Um, Moses uh, was, was a story of a people in bondage, and he kept saying, let my people go, that they may worship me, that they may enjoy my presence. And through sacrifice of the lamb and power, they were rescued and went out to the mountain. God's presence, though, was very, very different from a garden. You couldn't imagine anything more different different than a garden. Uh, I've been up Mount Sinai, my wife and I, when we had a holiday down there in Egypt, spent, you have to walk up during the night and then uh, you sit on the top and watch dawn arise. Well dawn's very beautiful but the whole area is barren, it is wilderness and totally different from a garden And the presence of God had to be manifested in a totally different way. The presence of God had to be manifested in fire and smoke. Nobody could go there and uh, only Moses alone. But Moses got something so much of the presence of God that uh, he later said to God, uh, if your presence does not go with us, Exodus 33, 14 to 16, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? In other words, even though they weren't able to know the presence of God fully, presence is what characterized them compared with anybody else. And that's important for us today. Presence is what's to characterize us. What makes us different? Presence of God. And, and so Moses said, said that. And in, in, in Moses' day, the presence of God was demonstrated in fire and a cloud, pillar of fire, cloud, and a tent or tabernacle. Now, the tent actually was again a demonstration of the presence of God. The tabernacle was based on God's pattern. It was a bit like a garden. I don't know if you ever thought of a tent as being like a garden. But this tent was. They engraved, they they embroidered on it fruit trees, flowers. They had sweet-selling perfume, just like in Eden. The tabernacle was a picture of Eden again. And there was a curtain separating the real presence of God, the holy place, and it had a cherubim or an angel engraved on it so that every time the people of god went into his presence they would be told it's just like eden we still can't come in don't come in can't come right in only the high priest once a year and so the whole thing was signifying that so there was a tangible sense of god's presence but they were still not allowed into the fullness of the presence of god it was, it was mighty. You know, when you read these stories in the Old Testament of the presence of God, you, you think, wow, I wish we had something like that. Actually, even though it was amazing, the cloud covered the tent of meeting, the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses couldn't enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled upon it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And yet... As we'll see later, what we know today is greater than that. I said, "What can be greater than you can't go in because of the presence?" Well, what's greater is that we can go in to the presence. And I will come on to that later. I mustn't anticipate. I must tell my story chronologically. So, how did they know the presence of God? Well, fire, cloud, and this angel guarding the way in. Next big story in terms of the presence of God is the story of David. The ark had come with the people into the, present, into the promised land, but was mainly kept at Shiloh, where Samuel lived, and also in other temporary accommodation. Actually, the very fact that it was in temporary accommodation rather than in a great big temple at that time was almost prophetic the fact that the presence of God can be known in different places. But David wanted to build a proper temple in Jerusalem. God said, no, your son will build the temple, a greater son who would become a king who would reign forever. David still enjoyed the presence of God, however, but this incredible sense of joy as he danced. He was despised by his wife for dancing, looking like a fool. He enjoyed the presence of God, but still, Just as um, the uh, cloud and the not being able to enter was still not as good as what we can have, even David's dancing was not in the full light of the blessings that we have. But his son Solomon built an amazing temple, again decorated with uh, trees, flowers, animals, etc. It was a garden again. And when the temple was dedicated again, God's presence came down in the same way as on the tabernacle. Priests couldn't enter the temple of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled it. Then, the story of the prophets. I hope you enjoy going all the way through the Bible. It's, you know, um, I always teach that way now. Even if I take an individual story, I always relate it to the whole story of Scripture. So, story of the prophets: the people sinned by falling into idolatry over many years, and then taken into captivity in Babylon was Ezekiel, a young uh, priest and a prophet. He had a vision of the presence of God with them in Babylon. Okay, one of the greatest descriptions of God is the beginning of Ezekiel. I know it's usually misquoted, wheels within wheels now means something totally different to what it meant to Ezekiel. It just, met, But he saw this a fantastic vision of the presence of God, which was very, very mobile. That was the wheels within wheels. He could move anywhere. He could go fast. It was, and, it, and the amazing thing was, he said, I didn't see it in Jerusalem. I saw it amongst the exiles down by the river of Babylon and then he had this vision of the presence of God leaving Jerusalem which was very challenging to the Jewish worldview but later he had a vision another vision of a restored temple a temple with impossible measurements showing it must be figurative and supernatural and an amazing river flowing from it which grew deeper and deeper the further he went If I'm teaching on this and not here on broadcast sitting at my desk, I will be now uh, taking one of you and walking up and down the room and getting you to be like Ezekiel, experiencing more and more of the presence of God as he went down that river. But actually, the deeper the river got, sorry, the further away from the temple it got, the deeper it got. The further we take the presence of God in mission, the deeper the presence of God. Often we don't think that. We think, well, I must just come into the presence of God. Just enjoy it. Of course we enjoy it. But Ezekiel experienced it more the further out from the temple he went, the further into the barren places until it transformed the Dead Sea and so on. Again, an amazingly figurative picture of what the presence of God does. And rivers were flowing like in the Garden of Eden, because the purpose of the presence of God is blessing for the world. Isaiah also had a vision of an end-time temple. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as chief among the mountains, Isaiah 2.2. It will be raised above the hills, and all nations will stream to it. And... Zechariah and Haggai helped encourage people to build the temple back in Jerusalem after a few of them had returned, but actually that was nothing compared to what was to come. Herod the Great rebuilt the temple. There was a magnificent building of Jesus' day, and people thought, all we need now is for the Messiah to come, overthrow the Romans, and all will be well. Well, Jesus and the temple Where was the temple when jesus was here on earth the temple wasn't in jerusalem that was just a building where did people experience the presence of god they experienced it out on the streets suddenly the temple was now walking the streets the temple was touching the lepers the people who weren't allowed to go into the temple the temple healed women with a uh with a hemorrhage who weren't allowed to go into the temple because now The temple wasn't a place out there. The temple was on the streets, touching people, engaging with people. Jesus said to them, destroy this temple and I'll raise it again in three days. He said to the Samaritan woman, believe me, woman, a time is coming when you worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. He desionized worship. He he, He said the presence of God is to go everywhere time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. Jesus left the temple. He went in and cleansed it, but then he left it. And his disciples said, look at these beautiful buildings. And not a stone remained upon a stone. That wasn't the temple anymore. And all nations could come to it. The nations, when they tried to get into the temple, would encounter a a big notice saying anyone not of Jewish birth and going further will be responsible for their own death. That That was the sort of welcoming atmosphere of the temple to all the nations. So the Greeks, who were godly people who'd come up to try and find out something about this religion, said, well, we can't go into the temple. Can we see Jesus? And Jesus said, When I'm lifted up from the earth, I'll draw all men to myself. And then on the cross, as he cried out in a loud voice and gave up his spirit, at that moment, it says, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rock split. You see, every time they went into that temple, there would be that curtain with an angel engraved on it. You can't come in. Now, the barriers of the first temple of Eden, the barrier of the tabernacle, the barrier of Solomon's temple, and Herod's temple was torn. Access to God is possible. One sacrifice had been offered. Never any more need of a sacrifice. The presence of God is open. We worship God through jesus christ who was the temple furthermore rivers of blessing will go out from those who experience the presence of god anybody thirsty see we love that anybody thirsty are you thirsty out there are you thirsty for the presence of god whoever believes in me as the scripture has said out of his heart shall flow flow rivers of living water so now we have the presence of god among his people, his church. Pentecost was God come down. Now, earlier temples, God came down. God came down in the tabernacle in a cloud. God came down in the temple when it was dedicated. Pentecost, God came down to indwell the new temple, the church. Jesus was the temple. Now, the church is the temple. And he also came down with a sign. It wasn't any more cloud. It wasn't they couldn't stand the minister. It was rather tongues, tongues of fire, but speaking in tongues. That was a demonstration of the presence of God. This is what the prophet Joel had promised, Peter explains. And it's a sign for all nations. Every nation could now understand when I speak in tongues, as I do pretty often, I, don't, I build myself up, but that's not all I'm doing. I'm also prophetically declaring that the people group who speak that language will enjoy the presence of God too. Pentecost was a missionary event. It was God coming down to indwell the church, God coming into his temple, but it was also preparing the temple to go to every nation and so they could all speak in the language everyone could understand and so i rejoice in speaking in tongues and i say to myself that people group whose language i'm speaking will also receive the gospel It's missional presence is for mission and so now individually we're a temple god's holy spirit doesn't god's holy spirit lives in us so don't sin don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit is in you? You're not your own. How can you take what is, Paul argues, how this wonderful new covenant argument to stop sin, how can you take what is a temple of the Holy Spirit and join it to a prostitute, he said, because that's what they were doing in Corinth. You know, the power of God in us is missional. It's enjoyment. It's missional. But it's also what enables us to overcome sin individually we're a temple we corporately are a temple in him the whole building is joined together ephesians 2 21 22 and rises to become a holy temple in the lord and him in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which god lives by his spirit okay so this temple is being built you know building churches is hard work getting people to relate together. You know, people come in all awkward, misshapen stones. They all have to be smoothed off to be built into a place where God lives by his spirit. Paul said, I've laid the good foundation of it, but be careful how you build upon it. If anyone um, introduces bad stuff into the temple, God's not pleased with that. But if the sign in the Old Testament was... Smoke and fire and cloud—it's a sign on the day of Pentecost, was the Holy Spirit came down and spoke in other languages. The sign of God's presence, according to the scriptures, now isn't just a gooey feeling. You know, forgive me, but sometimes it's the if the worship band is playing beautifully, and I love beautiful worship, don't misunderstand me, we can get a sort of almost a shiver down the spine and say wow that's the presence of god might be it's actually brilliant musicianship and i can get the same while listening to a classical concert or something the presence of god is more than that it's more than feeling it is feeling it touches emotions it changes us we experience his presence but actually it's in the new testament says the sign that God's amongst you is spiritual gifts. It says, to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7. In other words, as each one functions in their spiritual gifts, or as we gather together and different spiritual gifts coming, whether it's words of knowledge, prophecy, teaching, all those things are the evidence now of the presence of God corporately. Not just a gooey feeling. Though it results in that. It results in my emotions being touched. But the sign is God is amongst us because of the spiritual gifts. An unbeliever comes. He says if you're all speaking in tongues, he'll say you're mad. But if you're all prophesying in an orderly way, he'll say God is among you. It wasn't just the brilliance of the music. Although, as I say, I want the music to be great. Because, of course, it's part of God's creation to be used for his glory. But what what really brought the presence of God was spiritual gifts being manifested. And it's true. Often when I'm prophesying in a place where I don't know anybody, but the other people know each other they say it's amazing gods here and you know that but that's to be experienced all over the world because churches are to be planted everywhere so the temple is everywhere the promise of the old testament cup 2:14. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, as the waters cover the sea. Though, as I'll say in a moment, we're looking forward to that in the future day. Also, we're looking forward to it now, and we're going to experience it now. It's why we've got to plant lots and lots of churches. You know, I know this is the theology track, not the church planting broadcast, but it's why we have to do. We have to plant. That's why we have to plant churches. You know, I'm meeting with people. planting churches where there aren't any believers you know if you really want to do church planting then go to where there's no believers at all because when there's no believers there's no presence of God in that place and yet the presence of God must fill the earth that's the eschatological promise but we live our lives now in in the light of that we bring the future blessings of the kingdom into today by the spirit and so we plant churches everywhere. I was, I was having a great time. Just, uh, I just returned from the North Caucasus region of southern Russia. And I was meeting with people in all sorts of places where hardly any believers were planting churches there. The temple becoming be uh, coming. one such place, I, I was meeting with this group of people. And the guy leading the church said... And they started the church with about 20 people. He and his wife were the only ones that were, hadn't been in prison. It's a good start. It's to starting the presence of God in a place with people who've been rescued from prison, who are now leaders in his church and planting other churches, and determined to plant and put the temple where the temple isn't yet. So I'm speaking much more corporately, much more missionally, much more big vision about the presence of God. But I hope you're sensing that I also enjoy it. it needs to This experience everywhere. And that's my, that's my passion for church planting, is to make disciples and to bring the temple. But the temple of God is everywhere in the earth. So, that leads to the future day. Because remember, Eden was God dwelling with men, with mankind, with men and women. And then Eden was to be taken everywhere, go out, multiply, fill the earth. The whole earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord and the prophetic promises. And then after Jesus returns... This is said, Eden is restored and more. In the new earth, the new heaven and the new earth, which is our future when we have resurrected bodies, the presence of God will then be what was always promised. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. From the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for a husband, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now the dwelling of God is with men. That was always the objective. That's why he came down in the garden in the cool of the day. But now the dwelling place of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. I didn't see a temple in the city, it's the Lord of God Almighty and the Lamb is temple. don't need the temple anymore. Such a city does not need the sun or the moon. The glory of God gives it light. The nations will walk by its light. And these are... Uh, 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 speaking about what's the future, but what also is to be our objective now. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing to the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the great sea to the city, on each side of the river of the tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit yielding its fruit every month and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations again presence of God river going out trees healing of the nations fulfillment of Ezekiel's vision that's what it will be the nations will be healed trouble will be healed disease will be no more they'll put their um uh, swords into plowshares but then the presence of God will be enjoyed but we live in the light of that now so we're bringing the presence of God and experience the presence of God right now where we are and so That's Genesis to Revelation, the theme of the temple, which is what what the presence of God is all about. The temple is the picture language of the presence of God, and it goes right through from the beginning of Genesis to the end of Revelation. So I hope that big picture is of some use as you come to enjoy the presence of God practically. (laughs)
1: Well, there's so much great material that David Devinish has just brought to us. You can find the notes on all of it, as well as a Q&A with David at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode 15.